Hello, everyone. It's Jerry at The Fledge, and welcome to another episode of Every Damn Day. We are on uh, Season 2, Episode 8, so uh, welcome to the show, and we're glad you're here. I need to make a couple of announcements. We updated the uh, Fledge.com website uh, today to have all of the sign-up links for our different programs from the Entrepreneurial Support and Youth STEM program, mentors for the Youth STEM program, the vocational training that we're doing with MSU Hickey Labs uh, for people that have a felony on their record, and then also for the Every Damn Day show. So if you're interested in coming on the show, uh, please go to thefledge.com and sign up and we'll work out the dates and how we're going to do it. Also, I'd like you to, if you plan on coming to an event at the Fledge, please check uh, thefledge.com slash events. We are starting to uh, cancel and or go online with a lot of events. So you should check it out before you head over. Um, and we're updating that as soon as we know. So for example, the integration circle that's tonight uh, will be meeting online and you should check their Facebook page for the posts about that. So enough about all of that stuff. I'm really excited about uh, my guest today, because I think we're going to be talking about education, and education is in a lot of ways. Uh, yesterday, we talked about art being everywhere. Well, education is everywhere, too, and uh, we need to value it more, just like we need to value art more. And to that end, I am going to bring on my guest real quick, Miss Kat Weaver. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm glad that you're here. So, uh, it's super cold outside. Uh, it's your first time at the Fledge. Welcome. Thank you for that. Of course. Um, and we want to make sure, uh, just make sure you speak up a little bit if you don't mind. Um, the uh, Let's jump into you, if you will. Uh, tell us your story. Like, where are you from? What's, you know, where, what got you to what you're doing right now? My story and where I'm from. Gosh, that's a long story. <laughs> Um, so I'm originally from Ohio. I grew up in Ohio, but I moved up here to Michigan and I went to central Michigan for my undergrad. And then I moved down to the Lansing area, bought a house, um, ended up becoming a teacher, um, sort of in a very roundabout way. I got a job in an alternative and adult ed school and, uh, realized, oh, I'm supposed to be a teacher. So I got my teaching degree and, um, that was 22 years ago. So I have been in a variety of school settings. Um, I've taught alternative high school. I've taught college. I've been in a K-8 building, and now I'm back in a high school again. So All right. it's, um, it's much more complicated than that, but yeah. there's a short version. <laughs> and it's that high school over on the west side, because us Quakers over here are yeah. uh, um, our rival, we yes, could say. Yes, big reds. Yes. <laughs> um, and there, did they... Uh, that's what their name is right now, is yeah. Big Reds. Yeah. Um, are they getting heat for that? Didn't they change? They made some changes, right? Yeah, they changed. You know, I don't. I can't speak to it because yeah. I just started there. Oh, like okay. Two weeks before Christmas break, but um, they took the native. Um, All those symbolism symbols, yeah. Out of their logo, so. 
we 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 mentioned Sexton last year on the show, and somebody came at me and said they got to change their their logos and their symbols and all of that. So glad that they did that. Um, you want to talk about, and we're going to come back to education because I, like I said, I love education. But you got a, can we call it a side gig? My too? side hustle. Yeah, your yeah. side hustle. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so I have right now. There's Peppo there. <laughs> um, so I have a small business. Um, it's called Dirty Paws Mixed Media. And then I have a s- subset um, of that called So Angry Designs. And um, so I upcycle clothing and repurpose. So I repurpose jewelry, repurpose all kinds of different things. Um, but my big thing is upcycling and repurposing clothing. So I, you know, find stuff at estate sales or um, thrift stores or people mm-hmm. give it to me and then I chop it up and make it into something else. Can I comment on that real yeah. quick? I, I just love that you do that. I love that people do that because the fashion industry is so fast and so wasteful. And uh, we've been trying to destigmatize free with our free store that we have in the basement mm-hmm. and getting artists and people who upcycle or just somebody who wants to alter it in some way to feel comfortable taking that because there is there are so many clothes out there that people just throw away they dump them on our porch all kinds of stuff so we just try to keep them moving slow down that industry and when we do that we keep money in our community instead of shipping it off to amazon or whatever online store or big fashion company and so forth so kudos for two good things that i love that you do i mean i'm really um and one of the other things too is is kind of body positivity that goes with mm-hmm. it because I have struggled a lot with the way that I think about my body. But now that I make all of my own clothes, it's like I don't have to go to a store and try things on and feel bad about whether things fit me or not. I just find something I think is cool at a thrift store and then I tear it up and make it so that it fits me. And so then I feel really great about it. So part of, you know, selling... Um, I call it, I'm making clothes for the modern bod. So, you know, it fits a lot of times I put gussets in the sides of things. So it fits multiple sizes of bodies and still looks really great on them. So I just I want women in particular to feel awesome in the clothing that I make. Do you, do how it, tra- or how you feel, do you think you see that translating to your clients or your I friends so. or whatever I, you call them? I feel I, I have several who are becoming friends actually um, that keep coming back and getting more and I think that speaks a lot to that they just feel good in the clothes because it's it's comfy clothes it's not like you know I hate things that bind my body and so you know it's a lot of flowy stuff a lot of just I don't know so I think people do feel good in it nice um how do we circle back to education now how Well, I guess I could say that I started doing this because I needed something to balance out my career. Um, So, you know, being a teacher, we all know is extremely stressful. It's difficult. um, And we are in some unprecedented times for education right now. And so probably, I mean, I've kind of always been an artist. I've always done creative things, but you know, maybe eight years ago, I just started coming home and doing art yeah. regularly. And so it became 
what balanced out my life instead of it always being like my career then come home sleep and eat sometimes i still do that but um it really helps me to maintain my mental health yeah that i love that we actually had kimberly levine on the show yesterday and she talked about creativity and the relation to trauma and ptsd and all of these things and I think that art in any way, whether it's this podcast or I'm 3D printing every day, I'm trying to produce a little media every day and it's always so therapeutic. Yeah, absolutely. And so for me, I have always brought art into my classroom. That is always because I, I do find it very cathartic myself. And I know that students also find it cathartic. You know, it's, it's a different way to explore your feelings, what's going on in your life. And so... You know, I'm an English and a history teacher, but you will always find art in my classroom. You will always, the kids will always have opportunities to make art, to do something with art in the curriculum that we're studying. So, I mean, I feel like that's super, super important. And especially when, you know, art, we see it. When budgets get cut, yeah. arts get cut. Yeah. And so it's, I feel like it's really important that, regular classroom teachers integrate that more into their curriculum because um you know i mean just i can say like my two weeks that i have this is this started my third week at sexton and so the first two weeks we were face to face and the kids came into my room after i set it up and i mean there's like i have a whole wall that's all um local artists so i just buy oh, local nice. art and i put their art up in my classroom and the kids came in and were like is this English class? You know, so like I want to represent like here is art. Here are the things that our community is doing and that you can do those things too. And so is it a public, I mean, a uh, project-based learning kind of strategy to make a piece of art that maybe teaches you about the history or the English or? So I was at another school in the district and it was a school of the arts and we were we went by the artful learning model which mm -hmm. is out of the bernstein institute and um that is like you take art and you integrate it into everything that you do with your curriculum so you figure out you know you find a masterwork so you find some piece of artwork that you want the kids to study to engage with and then you connect it to the curriculum and the things that they're studying and you know, having just started at Sexton, I haven't um, really done that yet because I'm still figuring out yeah. what what I'm doing. But um, I I have already given the kids opportunities, even in just like get to know you kinds of things. So we will though move into doing a lot more artistic yeah. um, things in the classroom. I uh, you know when the budgets do get cut the schools really have to focus on the things they're measured by, by the state or the feds and the grant money and whatever, all the dollars that come in. And I feel like we squeeze our kids opportunities away from them when we do that. So thank you for putting it back into the classroom. And, and I imagine, do you do stuff with music? I mean, I don't, art's a big word. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I always have music playing in the classroom. Um, I use it to connect with, um, the content we're doing. So for instance, my AP English class is going to be reading the book thief, which is about, um, Nazi Germany and the Holocaust. And, um, we're starting off with talking about identity 
in the importance of identity. And um, we, I'm going to use a song that is gonna be completely outside of their, um, sort of their genres, I think, but it's kind of like an agrotech song, but it is, a, it's about identity and how it's this shifting thing. And, um, you know, I, th I think it gives some different perspectives about how people think about those things and how they can express. I mean, because they create the song, the band is Assemblage 23 and, um, you know, they create the song about identity, but it's part of their identity to create the song. Uh -huh. so. It's identity is becoming the key word of every damn day this year. Oh, okay. It's uh, actually out of eight episodes. It's the fourth time it's come up. Wow. And so I'm, I need to explore that a little bit, unless you want to explore it a little bit. What, why do you think that is? Why? Well, I think for me, um, I mean, identity is, it's something you're, it's constantly, you're figuring it out throughout your whole life. Mm -hmm. It's not just, you know, people will say, oh, you know, kids, teenagers, they're figuring out their identity. You're still figuring out your identity when you're 80. Yeah. It's, it's not. It, it's not something that is stable, um, but it has a lot to do with society and the way that society looks at you. And, um, you know, for me, I was goth in high school, so, you know, I grew up in the 80s. <laughs> You're not still goth? I don't know that I call myself <laughs> goth right now, but I'm something. I don't know. Um, but I thought hanging around Tisha, you had to be goth for sure. <laughs> I mean, I definitely still you know, that music is still there, that identity is definitely still part of me. Yeah. I just don't dress in the same way anymore, yeah. I guess. Um, but I was in a small rural school and people were like, lost their freaking minds. Like, oh. What is wrong with you? You're a freak. You know, all of these things that, you know, push you to like hate other people because they don't accept you. And, um, but also, to sort of make you go inside yourself and put up armor. Mm. And so throughout my life, I had a lot of armor on and that was part of my identity. You know, I wanted to be this badass who nobody could touch. And then, you know, as you get older, you know, got married, had a child, got divorced, you know, and then you go to therapy <laughs> <laughs> and then you start sort of dismantling all of that. And you discover that, you know, all of the things that happen to you are part of your identity and they impact you and the way that you, your perspective on that makes a huge difference on where the rest of your life is going to go. Mm -hmm. um, so angry designs, mm -hmm. is that right? Yeah. Does that relate to, is that anger from back then? Is that anger out now? Uh, <laughs> no, what's the meaning? I hate being an angry person. I wasn't yeah. very angry for a long time like just wake up angry and um when i figured out how to not be angry like i i can't stand being in that space anymore yeah um but some of the music i listen to might be considered angry which is um kind of like the song that i told you about but sort of the industrial agrotech kind of stuff that is you know, a mixture of like electronic and industrial music. And I was sewing and listening to it. And my husband came into the room and was like, Cat Weaver, so angry. And I was like, 
that's brilliant. Like mm. that's that can be the name of all of, you know, it just yeah, because it's S E W, so you get the so part in there and then angry. So there it is. Yeah. And it well it's spelled the acronym SAD though, right? Too. So angry designs. I guess that, it is. I never uh, thought about that. And that can be the root of anger Dang quite Jared. often, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I had not even thought about that. Um, you said something earlier about teachers that I want to go back to. You said that everybody knows that it's a tough profession and do they, you know, that's, that's a great question because I think you're right. They don't. Um, I, I think the sort of the media sell on it is it's, it's difficult, but we don't really understand what is difficult about it. You know, mm -hmm. so you hear a lot about teaching is a really hard job. You know, teachers are heroes to, you know, we should really appreciate our teachers, but we don't appreciate our teachers. We don't right. show them respect. And every time that something happens in society that, um, you know, is it, it's like it kind of comes back to, oh, well, what happened in the school? What did the teachers do? The teachers didn't do a good enough job of this. And people don't understand all of the levels and, you know, it's just like peeling back on an orange, all of the things that are happening in a school on a daily basis, all the decisions that the teacher in the classroom has to make like that, right. you know, because if you're in a classroom and um, let's say a fight breaks out, okay, you can't just go back to curriculum. You have to make immediate decisions right there in the moment that, you know, can make or break what happens for that day. So, um, you know, it's, and it's, and it's the same too. Like you go in with a lesson, you're like, Ooh, this is going to be such a good list lesson. And the kids are like, this sucks. What are we doing? And then you have to immediately think about that and be like, okay, what am I going to do differently? How am I going to shift this? And so that's just like in the classroom, but then there's all of these layers of relationships and the system of education that makes everything so complicated and difficult for teachers. And then COVID laying on top of it and people, you know, I see the comments, you know, the state journal, WILX, whenever they post something about, you know, they're going online again and the parents start blaming the teachers for, oh, they're just being lazy or they're all these horrible, mean, nasty things that just makes me feel so angry. I mean, that's a lot of times where my anger uh, comes from is the community reaction to the things that seem so obvious to me. Uh, how, how do you balance, what do you think about that? And I don't, I don't know if it's always tell me that you don't want to answer that or it's not appropriate to talk about, but when you think about, you know, going online, getting the kids out of the classroom so they're safer from a COVID perspective, but then what that does to the loss of connection with their friends or a teacher or a counselor, or maybe just some guy that works in the cafeteria that they relate to, how do you balance, what, what's your thoughts on balancing that? I'm not entirely sure. I mean, to be honest, so this past week where we were online was Last year, I wasn't in the classroom. I was the lead teacher in the building. And so this is the first time that I taught fully online. And so 
um, there are so many different kinds of decisions that you have to make and um, that connection. I mean, I can see the things that are sort of happening in society that are in direct relation, excuse me, direct relation to um, the lack of relationships that we have with other people. Mm -hmm. I mean, people are mean. People will say crazy things on social media because they're behind a screen. And I feel like that has amped up a lot more since we were all isolated. Like we're yeah. not forced to have manners. We're not forced to know what that social thing is. And so like one of the things that um, drives me a little bit bonkers is cell phones. And, you know, like kids, they come in the classroom and they've got their cell phone and it's like nearly impossible to get them to look up, but they've spent a whole year doing that. Right. So, you know, it's that sort of unlearning and that relearning of what school and society and relationships and all that stuff happens. And so now, you know, I'm concerned that we're going to do this. Okay, we're going to be online and then we're going to go back to face to face and then we're going to go online again. And it's just, I mean, it's, it's traumatic. It's, you know, we might not think about it like, well, that's trauma, like a car accident is trauma, but it is traumatic to have everything that you know sort of closed behind a door and you can't get at it. Right. And sometimes school, so I, I, I don't know if the statistics exactly right, but I think that Lansing has around a 22% to 25% poverty rate. So that many people live under the poverty line. But when you put students in it, I think it gets closer to 50%. And school must be some sort of escape from that. Yes. And now it's, uh, I can't say that word, exasperated, I think is pronounced. Exacerbated. Exacerbated, thank yes. you. Um, what do you, what can we do? What? Well, how get, how I, can a non-teacher, a non-school person how can they get involved and help in some way? What are some thoughts there, if you don't mind? Gosh, I don't know. You know, I haven't honestly thought about it. I mean, I, I think about the school district, you know, I think has done a fabulous job with making sure that families are getting food. Mm -hmm. You know, they've got pickup locations all over the district where families can come and get food um, for the day. There have been times for the week, whatever. Um, I, I think one of the problems is, is that we don't really know what impact this has made and what it is that people need because we have been so isolated and, you know, what is it, you know, and will children tell you what it is that they really need in those situations? Oh, right. So figuring out, I mean, if there was some way, you know, it's like everything needs to be data driven, you know, is there some way to um, survey the community and say, what is it that you really need in these really difficult times? Yeah. It may just be somebody to call you and just listen. Uh, Black Lives Matter on that subject did a really nice survey of the community and posted those results. So maybe I'll put that link out there for yeah, people too. Like to too. Um, and it, it's the date, it's living paycheck to paycheck. It's yeah. how am I gonna pay this bill if I don't have this food and my flat, my tires flat, which is the Alice threshold, which 55% of us live below that. 
too. Well, and you think about how many people were out of work who needed to be in work, you know, and you can't go to work because, you know, and right or wrong, I mean, we're in a pandemic. Like, how do you make decisions? We've never been here before. Yeah. And so it's, it, it just, I think, has impacted in ways that we don't even know about yet. I used to volunteer in the schools two or three times a week. And that was a couple of years ago before the pandemic. And now I can't do that. I saw tons of other adults in there volunteering. And that that was almost a, I wouldn't call it a supplemental staff, but almost, right? It could help a little bit with that fight that breaks out. It could calm that down. You could look at a kid and say, nah, don't do that. And it would help the teachers a lot. And that support is gone. And I always think, they need to let us back in, but we all have COVID. And so don't right. let us and, in. And I don't disagree with that. <clears throat> I mean, that was, there was an article that came out a couple months ago about a school where the dads just decided yeah. that they were going to. Down in Florida. Yeah. yeah. And like, I think that power of having parents and community members in there. I mean, when I was at Dwight Rich, you know, two, three years ago, how long ago did this all start? I taught a sewing club and um, I had community members who came in, you know, like these are lifelong sewers. They have been, you know, and they came in and they worked with our kids and that was so powerful and it was in such a positive way. And we don't have enough opportunities. I think as many positive role models that we can get into schools is going to make a huge difference. We call it believable opportunity because you can come there and preach at the kid if you want about how they right. can be anything they want to be, but they've never met anybody who's ever been that, especially right. in their neighborhood. Yeah. So love what you're talking about. Thanks. Um, what, what are we forgetting to talk about? What's something that's on your mind that you'd like to talk about? So it's really, it's interesting because I feel like my entire career, I have um, in one way or another, and maybe not always had the language for it, but I've always had a social justice focus. And I, like, I hate the term social justice warrior because it's just become so, you know, there's this, we're gonna slap this label on you because you wanna do whatever in the world. But I've always, like as a kid myself, I never felt like I belonged in school and I never felt like the curriculum connected to me in any kind of meaningful way. And so, you know, you just kind of glide through school, whatever, you walk away. Um, I think we talk about social justice, we talk about equity, but none of us really understand what that means. And none of us, most of us, I won't say none of us, most of us are not willing to do the work that we need to do in order to make schools more equitable for kids. And, you know, we can do equity reviews, we can look at curriculum, we can do all these things, but if we don't start at the top and work down, I mean, like, that was one of the things, you know, I just recently switched schools and um, I, I feel like I had this moment where 
um, I, I had a, a deep understanding of what it means to be in a system of oppression. And I'm a white girl. I don't really understand what it means to be oppressed right. whatsoever. But I was in a space where every day I was surviving. Every day I was waking up and saying, I do not want to go to this place. I cannot go to this place. This place is not good for me. But I have to because that's my job and that's what pays the mortgage. And so you are when you are constantly in survival mode, you cannot think about equity. You can't think about social justice. You can't think about creating curriculum for kids that's going to knock their socks off and make them, you know, want to read more or whatever. You are just trying to get through the day. And I think that is a space that a lot of teachers are in right now. Mm -hmm. And throughout my entire career, as I have tried to do this, you always hit the wall. Like there, there's some places where the wall's a little, you know, soft. You maybe can get in there. You can have some conversations, but there's always this systematic wall that will not let you really do any of the hard work that needs to happen. Yeah. And I, I don't think schools are going to change until we start dismantling that. And that's, I mean, it's a huge, huge, huge endeavor. Like, who does that? How do you do that? Do we even understand how to do that? I think there are some models out there in the world, but um, I, we're scared. Yeah. Like, what else do we do if we don't do this? Yeah. But it's not working. Um, as we, so we got a, about a minute left. Oh, okay. um, as we wrap up here, uh, I really, I really respect teachers and I'm really happy that you came onto the show. Educators, I don't know, all, all the different words. Uh, what what would you like to leave us with? How would you like to take us out? Any advice for us in the community? How can we help you? Um, is it the $10 Big B card that really gets you through or is it, well, get your kids, get your kids, uh, help your own kids first maybe. I don't know. I, I mean, I think to, if you want to help teachers and you want to help education, then understand what is really happening in schools. Because there is, so now we have this, any high school graduate can be a substitute teacher. Oh, and right. so you, there's this constant like, oh, anybody can be a teacher. I mean, that's for a long time. Anybody can be a teacher. If you can't do this, go be a teacher. And that is really clear that people do not understand what happens in schools and what is necessary to actually raise children to be good human beings in the school system. So figure that out. Maybe there's a show there what really happens behind the right, school right, doors. Totally. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you so very much for coming on the show. Um, I me. really appreciate your time and uh, I love what you do. And uh, got to give a shout out to Tisha too, because uh, yeah, trying to get her on the show and all of that. But all right, everyone, that's a wrap for another every damn day. We will see you tomorrow and we love y'all be safe out there. Be warm. Uh, 
and help somebody, smile at somebody, do something nice today, be kind, spread that love. It's contagious. It won't cost you anything. It'll actually uh, make you a bit stronger yourself. So love y'all. See ya.